Hello everybody and welcome to July of 1992. In the news this month, Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar escapes from prison. Whitney Houston marries Bobby Brown who seemingly sparks the downfall of the star singer. Singer-actress Selena Gomez was born on the 22nd. Mary J. Blige releases her debut album What's the 411. The top song of the month is Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. And the top three movies are Death Becomes Her, Boomerang, and A League of Their Own. Welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Well, hello everybody and welcome again to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Kevin. We're hosting your show. Do you know that um, our um, our hosts have gone down to two, which means our host-listener ratio has grown once again exponentially? Yes. Every <laughs> time we get a listener, it more than doubles. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's, that's No, a, it doesn't. That's what am I saying? That's not math. But anyway, <laughs> I, I decided to just agree with you rather than uh, fix it. Whatever. Either way, we have 40 listeners who download our podcast, even if we don't have both pieces of audio playing yeah we make a lot of mistakes <laughs> amateur amateur yes all right so this is what july it is july of 1992 yep and there were a, a lot of a lot of movies in this month so many movies so many lackluster movies wait but before we go on you wanted to say something about what you want to say thank you to who oh yeah, we wanted to say thanks for the heads up uh, to Vintage Video Podcast, uh, who listened and let us know that our audio was, in fact, only playing one host out of three. So uh, <laughs> we had to go back and fix that. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Who was the one person that was playing? Eric. <laughs> so there was virtually no podcast. Wait. There was no introduction. And Eric was like answer, like commenting on random Things that we said with no context. <laughs> and the funny thing is that he always records at home. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He didn't even have like the, like, like right now, if the, you cut my audio out, you'd probably be able to faintly hear what I'm saying on your mic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't even. You, no, there is. was nothing. <laughs> That's actually fantastic. All right. Are we ready to properly podcast? I'm ready to properly podcast. Who kicks it off and how many movies are there? All right. So there's 15 titles this month. We're just diving in. That's what we do. Especially when we got 15 titles and we got I had a lot to talk about with these, you know, the ones that I covered here. Okay. So coming in at number 15, The Adjuster. This is a this is actually not a comedy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you would classify this. Just listen to this description. Noah is an insurance adjuster having sex with his customers. Okay. His wife, Harold, watches pornographic movies for a board of censors. Oh, wow. They live with their son, Simon, and Harold's sister in a show flat. One day, they meet Bubba, who wants to make a movie in their house. That's really random. I purposely didn't look up anything else because that just... <laughs> was wild all right so this is directed by adam spelled a-t-o-m like wow up in adam okay <laughs> adam egoyan starring elias 
Elias Cotias, Cotis, yeah. Casey Jones from yeah. Team TMNT. Um, and Ars, Ars, Arsenae? You're doing so good at pronouncing these things. Who is the director's wife, so I'm sure she's really good. Yeah. And also, uh, Maury Chaikin is in this, and he was the, you know, the... The overcooked grits guy and my cousin Vinny. Yes, yeah, so we just mentioned him last month. I guess he's just a lot of characterizing this month. A lot of small roles. So that's it for the adjuster. I hope you enjoyed what I had to say. So glad it's over. <laughs> Coming in at number 14, Mom and Dad Save the World, grossing $2 million. This is a kid's adventure movie. An alien overlord plans to blow up the Earth, but first he snatches and proposes to marry an Earthman's wife. This stars Terry Garr. Who's uh, Pam, the wife in Let It Ride? You don't know Let It Ride? I do know Let It Ride. I watched it with you. Okay, so the wife, you're looking at me as if you don't understand the words that I said. The wife in well, Let It Ride. Because her name is... was Terry, and my brain was thinking that was a man. Well, And then all of a sudden you said she, and then I got confused, and I was like, forgot that a woman's name could be Terry, even though my mother-in-law's name is Terry. It's a lot of information that was <laughs> unnecessary. Uh, Jeffrey Jones, who's the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it star- also stars John Lovitz. Wallace Shawn, uh, who's the inconceivable guy from Princess Bride. Inconceivable. Wait, wasn't the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, wasn't he convicted of like child pornography? I don't think that's true, but you okay. could no. feel free to look it up if you like. It also stars Kathy Ireland, and it's directed by Greg... Beeman, who directed License to Drive, and get this, Problem Child 3. There's three of those pieces of shit? Yes. So the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Jeffrey Jones, was indeed arrested for employing a minor for purposes of taking sexually explicit photos. So he's not a nice guy. Okay. Coming in at number 13, Man Trouble, earning $3.8 million. A sleazy but affable guard dog trainer is black. What? <laughs> uh, sleazy but affable guard dog trainer. As if like you're a certain personality type when you're a guard dog trainer. Yeah, well, a sleazy but affable guard dog trainer is blackmailed, blackmailed to steal a manuscript for a tell-all book from one of his clients. Okay. What kind of access does a guard dog trainer have? To people's personal files. Uh, what it's, who who's in and directed this B-rated piece of garbage? <laughs> so it's directed by Bob Raffleson. Uh, he directed The Postman Always Rings Twice and Five Easy Pieces. Okay. Now get ready for this cast because your mind will be blown. Okay. Starring Jack Nicholson. Okay. Actually, that's pretty much it. <laughs> but oh. it's just because it's Jack Nicholson. Mind blown. <laughs> All right, the only reason he's in this because he was in The Postman, Always Rings Twice, and Five Easy Pieces. and So he did he, the director a favor. Yeah, he's good friends with the director. He's trying to re- reestablish his career. Uh, also starring Ellen Barkin from The Fan and Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, he was Brett and Alien. He was in The Green Mile and Repo Man. Yeah, we just w- we went over him last month, too. We go over everybody. Uh, Beverly D'Angelo. Sounded sexual. <laughs> of course, she's from National Lampoons, uh, the vacation movies. Michael McKeon. This is Spinal Type. Sp- spinal Type. Yeah. Not, nice. not Spinal Tap, but Spinal Type. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking that. with spa- Spinal Type. 
Okay. Uh, and again, like I said, Nicholson only took this role to pay back his friend and try and get his career elevated. What do you mean? You said Nicholson was the only one in it, and then you just rattled off like five other people that we know. <laughs> but like people that we don't that aren't that impressive. So it's like they're not Nicholsons. Okay. Well, one piece of information I did find. You know, Nicholson only has like twenty credits in the last thirty years. Well, he's old as dirt now. Well, yeah, well, he hasn't done anything for 10 years, but in the 20-year span, he only did like a movie a year. Wait till we get to Bruce Willis, and I can explain to you the notes I took on the amount of movies he's shitting out. <laughs> well, now he's not going to make any movies. Yeah, well, I mean, sad, but that's not my point. Anyway, moving on, number 12, Baby's Kids. Uh, this is grossing $8.2 million. It's an animation movie. To impress his new girlfriend, a man agrees to look after her friend's kids only to find that they are uncontrollably rambunctious. Stars, Faison Love, he's the manager from Elf, Robin Harris, who's Pop from House Party, Tone Loke, and John Witherspoon, who's the dad in Friday. That's all you got? Who directed it? Nobody important. That's why I left it out. What was the name? I left it out, sir. Because I feel like he directed the movie I'm going to discuss later on. I think I saw this credit. Okay. (laughs) So we'll find out later, I guess. I guess. All right. Cliffhanger. Yeah, talk to you guys in a few minutes. (laughs) When we return. (laughs) Coming in at number 11, A Stranger Among Us, earning $12 million. This is a Disney movie? It sure is. Okay. I mean, it's not. It's like one of those weird movies. not really a Disney movie. Just before Disney started uh, having different production companies. Yeah. So everything was just under that Walt Disney name. Okay. Uh, So Emily, a tough NYPD cop. Did you say it grossed? I did. It said it grossed uh, $12.2 million. I said 12. Sorry. Uh, Emily, a tough NYPD cop, is sent to an Orthodox Jewish community to investigate a missing person plus $720,000 in missing diamonds. To solve what becomes a murder case, she has to join the community. The premise of this movie is just wacko. Okay. So right there, I was like, this is so stupid. What a stupid plan. (laughs) Stupid plan. Stupid (laughs) stupid plot. Plot. Also planned. They planned to make this movie, so it wasn't It was a plan, yeah. Uh, starring Melanie Griffith, everyone's favorite from Working Girl of Pacific Heights. And Joe Shining versus Through. the Volcano. And Joe versus the Volcano. I preferred her performance from Shining Through, though. Okay. Is that true? <laughs> no. <laughs> we hated Shining Through. Which one was that? Oh, I remember. That was the World War II movie. Yeah, the one with Michael Douglas. Okay, I remember. Uh, also starring Eric Thal from Six Degrees of Separation. John Pankow from Batteries Not Included. Tracy Pollan from Family Ties. I only mentioned her because... Did you know she's married to Jamie, uh, Michael J. Fox? I almost said Jamie Fox. No. Well, that's that's Michael J. Fox's wife. I still don't know who she is. I, I, I remember from Family Ties. Like, I'm was assuming she that's Mallory? how they met. I think she was. She was his sister? Yeah. Nice. Now they're married. <laughs> uh, and Mia Sara, who, of course, was Sloane in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, another Sloane reference. Wait till we get to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ooh. Oh, Ferris reference, not Sloan. But anyway, go ahead. Also, this is James Gandolfini's film debut. Nice. But it was, from what I can tell, he was like the 12th credit. So I don't he think he had like five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Done? I'm done. Coming in at number 10, Enchanted April, uh, grossing $13 million. This is a drama. Four English women after World War I who are unhappy with their lives and their time away on vacation are in a beautiful Italian villa. That's like the the most lazy description of a movie I've ever read in my entire Unless life. Unless you watch the movie and it's just four women just hanging out. 
in an Italian villa, drinking oh. wine and hanging out. Talking shit. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. Stars Alfred Molina, Joan, yeah. Joan Plowright, who's, the, remember Dennis the Menace, uh, the neighbor, ma, the, the woman neighbor? Like, Vaguely. Uh, was she redhead? No, she okay. was an older woman. I don't know. She, she, the, uh, do you remember you remember Dennis Menace? Mr. Wilson's is Mr. Wilson's wife? wife. Oh, she's Mrs. Wilson. Yeah, that's a way better way to describe <laughs> what I was trying to say. But the, here <laughs> that's we why are. I was lost. I was like, what where's he going? I said <laughs> I was I was trying to describe it with like four letter words only. You were trying to go next door, but then circumnavigated the entire globe. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly what I did. Um where was I? Because I now, don't know. Who the hell knows? Oh, um, this is directed by Mike Newell. He directed Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Pushing Tin, and Donnie Brasco. I don't believe you on Goblet of Fire. Well, it's a fact, so. Michael Newell? Mike Newell. Newell? Newell? It's definitely Newell. Well, got that egg on my face. Okay, moving on? Moving on. Coming in at number nine. Now, here's where we might have our dilemma of multiple directions in one month. Cool World, earning $14.1 million. When Jack Deebs was behind bars, he found escape by creating Cool World, a cartoon series featuring a vixen named Holly Wood, spelled H-O-L-L-I-W-O-U-L-D. Is this Cool World? <laughs> cool World. Cool map. <laughs> what am I saying? Weird. Okay. The flesh proves weaker than the ink, however, as Holly takes human form in Las Vegas. Yeah, this is the Brad Pitt one, right? Yeah. So that does. I've I, never seen this. She actually doesn't take life. He gets sucked into the cartoon world. Is actually the way it goes. So I don't know why I described it that way. Is he the main character in this movie? No, he was supposed to be. The director wanted him. Brad wanted this, and the studio. They, Brad Pitt. He had done Thelma and Louise at this point. That's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, no, he's not. He's not ready yet, or he's not the person we want. So instead, they got Gabriel Byrne. Oh my God. <laughs> it, it, Casting director. <laughs> it's just the last thing that you ever did. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, so Gabriel Byrne is from the usual suspects. The usual suspects. End of days and hereditary. Hereditary is one of those yeah, like, new horror, horror movies, movies that it's, people love. It's really good. I've seen it. You didn't like it? It's not that I didn't like it. You weren't I, scared by it? I, what, I didn't find it scary, number one. I thought it was intense, though. It was intense. Oh, yeah, I'll give it that. But I, I would call it more of a thriller than a horror movie. Yeah, well, I th the, the no spoil the I'm not gonna spoil it, but the scene with the little girl in the beginning that was with the, with intense. the, the telephone pole. Well, I said no spoilers, so. Well, they don't know. She might have climbed the telephone pole. Matt had her head knocked off. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> Are we done with Cool World? Uh, yeah, I said everything I wanted to say. Okay, coming in at number eight. Buff oh, wait. Kim Basinger was in it. Coming in at number eight, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Grossing $14.2 million sci-fi action. Flighty teenage girl Buffy Summers learns that she is her generation's destined battler of vampires. This stars Christy Swanson. Now, when I first read this, I was doing my research. I thought she was Sloan from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Turns out she's Simone Adam Lay from Ferris Day's, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is the girl who's in class and explains to her teacher that Ferris is sick, and yeah. she somebody's seen him pass out at thirty two flavors, so I guess it's pretty serious. <laughs> That's that girl, 
And then Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, which if you don't know is Pee Wee Herman, Luke Perry, (laughs) Hilary Swank, and David Arquette. It's a pretty intense uh, cast for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Swank is early. Arquette's early. They're young. Donald Sutherland? Well, he's... He's already an actor. Paul Rubens is Pee Wee Herman. I guess he's Pee Wee Herman. He's doing any <laughs> real role he can. Is this before or after he caught? He got caught beating off in the movie theater. I would assume before. Okay. His his career took quite a halt after that. <laughs> what, did it ever really take off? I mean, Pee Wee Herman was pretty big, man. It was a very popular kids show. I loved the show, and the movies scared the life out of me. Large Marge. Oh, tell him, Large Marge. Said, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't handle that scene as a kid. The bi- or was the first one or the second one the bicycle scene where like the the freaking clowns on acid like yeah, rip it apart? Yeah, I think that's the first one. Oh my god, yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Coming in at number seven, Prelude to a Kiss, earning $20 million. This is a rom-com. A couple fall in love despite the girl's pessimistic outlook. As they struggle to come to terms with their relationship, something supernatural happens that tests it. So the supernatural thing that happens is the woman's soul is swapped with an old man's that had crushed, crashed their wedding and put some kind of curse on her. Wow. Yeah. How is this? a? Th- who decided this was a good idea? It's interesting that you asked that question because have you heard of the podcast? How does this? How did this get made? Yes, yeah, of course. They did this movie. Okay. <laughs> That's good. So this was first a uh, off-Broadway play. Okay. That had over 400... Uh, shows. It was starring Alec Baldwin and uh, Mary Mary Louise Parker. Okay. So I'm guessing this is one of the Alec Baldwin's first things he ever did. Like it's probably in the 80s, right? He's probably just starting to build his career. What Prelude to a Kiss or the, the play? The play. He was in the play. I think he enjoys Broadway. I think he still goes back and forth. But this is an off Broadway. So oh. and also like when did he get big? I don't even know. I didn't do that that deep of research. But regardless, him and Mary Louise Parker were the leads of the play. I would say late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. So the director wanted to bring back when making the movie. They wanted to bring both leads back. So he got Alec Baldwin, but the studio wanted Meg Ryan instead. So they went with Meg Ryan. So it's Alec Baldwin, Meg Ryan, Kathy Bates, Ned Beatty. Uh, Patty Duke. Who's Patty Duke? Who's Patty Duke, you ask, huh? I ask. She is mother of one Sean Astin. Okay. And she won a an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 1962 for her work as Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker. Okay. Um, She was like 16 at the time, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Also starring Richie Real. I only bring him up because he was the jump to conclusion, conclusions Matt guy in Office Space. <laughs> okay. And Stanley Tucci had a minor role. I like Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Okay, coming in at number six, Universal Soldier, grossing $36 million, another sci-fi action. We sidestepped having to watch yet another Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. <sighs> it's close this time. You know, I've never seen this one, though. So this is two rival soldiers who were killed in Vietnam are brought back to life in a top-secret military experiment that creates superhuman warriors. This Hold on. That premise right there. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I might go and watch this and see if this tops Bloodsport for me because Bloodsport is currently my favorite Van Damme movie. This stars Jean-Claude and Dolph Lundgren, and it's directed by Roland Emmerich. He directed... This guy's got a pretty good... I know who Roland Emmerich is. Okay, Stargate, uh, Independence Day, the 1998 Godzilla, The Patriot with Mel Gibson, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012 with John Cusack, and a lot more. Yeah, but a lot of those movies are disaster movies, and then... 
like I am. But they're the worst version of disaster movies. You, you lie, like 2012. Sir. You like I, the day after tomorrow. Garbage, not, trash. Both of them. I'll, I'll fight you right here, sir. I love both of those movies. I watch them endlessly. The day after tomorrow is a giant pile of shit. I love that movie and I love 2012 and I'll watch them right now. Just despite you. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm leaving the podcast to go watch these movies. And The Patriot is the most historically inaccurate movie ever made. What does that mean? It's Mel Gibson. Like, I'm just trying to rile you up. Virtually reprising his role from Braveheart. Just set in American times. <laughs> like eight centuries later. Yeah, it's, it's the same guy. <laughs> With no accent. All right, moving on. Moving on. Coming in at number five, a comedy earning $40.1 million. Mo Money. Trying to get his act together, a con artist gets a job in a credit card company. He falls in love with a fellow employee, he steals a couple of cards, and everything is going great. But soon, the chief of security drags him into a big league of criminals. Okay. So this is directed by Peter McDonald. He directed Rambo 3 and literally nothing else. Starring and written by Damon Wayans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacey Dash from Clueless. Also starring, Mar- starring Marlon Wayans. I wonder if they're brothers. <laughs> I believe they are. Uh, so Marlon Wayans was only cast in this movie because he's their, his brother. No, because their mother forced Damon to cast him. Yeah, he didn't want him to cast him. Also, Marlon is is arguably the funniest of all the Wayans. I, I love Damon Wayans. I love Marlon. I love him in the scary movies. Love him. <laughs> I love him in Senseless. I don't know Senseless. That was the one where, for some reason, he's a hockey player. Okay. Do you love him in White Chicks? I actually have never seen White Chicks. Neither have I, I and w- I will not. I mean... I, I will not waste my time on that garbage. I heard it's funny. I won't. All right. Are we good here? Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to talk about there. Coming in at number four, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid from Walt Disney, grossing $58 million, another kid's adventure movie. The Selinsky family is back. This time, hilarious disaster strikes when an experiment causes their new Tyler son to grow many stories tall. It was definitely the worst out of all of them. I definitely loved it when I was a kid, though. Stars Rick Moranis and Marsha Strassman. She's the mom in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series, and that's really all you would know her from. Directed by Randall Kleiser. He directed Grease, The Blue Lagoon, White Fang, which we did in 90 or 91, uh, Big Top Peewee, and Flight of the Navigator. So he enjoys doing... Um, family know, movies. Yeah, family movies. That's Good for him. That's a great way to He's categorize that. <laughs> I like the way you pronounce that. Well, uh, I was say it. well, you could say niche, but it is niche, I suppose. So, Or is it niche? <laughs> niche? Now you ruined it. Niche. <laughs> it's over. All right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're on to the top three. It's a silent N-ish. <laughs> yes. Right. Are we good? We're good. I don't know if we're good, but moving on. We're doing a thing. Coming in at number three, Boomerang, grossing $131 million. music I haven't uh, been out with anybody in about two years when you're alone as much as I am see um Marcus Marcus you know you wrong you no good Marcus. <laughs> uh, let's go in the living room I am Mr. Romance when I meet a woman and then once I hit it I lose interest but that ain't my fault when I decided to take over this company, I considered you a prime asset. I don't have any panties on. <laughs> 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 
interested in her, right? I mean, look at her. She's fantastic. I don't date men. I work with. How long do you think it's going to take you to bone that new executrix? It's professional, totally professional. What you saying, man? It's going to take a week? Call me. I don't believe this whole thing is happening to me. Are you okay? Just concerned. All up in my business. <laughs> do I look like the kind of girl that would be prying? Good morning, Marcus Graham. Where's your pride? Where's your dignity? You think Malcolm X died so you could walk around looking like a chump? Sad, man. This movie was a complete waste of time. I think there was one line in this whole movie I laughed at. I laughed at, so I'm going to do what I never do when we get to it. I laughed at something that was pretty vulgar, but I found it very funny. So, go, Chris. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say here? I want you to hit us off with the um, with our actors and director and plot all right so we'll just go for eddie murphy as marcus robin givens as jacqueline halle berry as angela david allen greer as gerald martin lawrence as tyler chris rock and john witherspoon make appearances you would think with this cast you're gonna have a pretty cohesive pretty funny movie yeah but it never comes together well i think i what's it about so Eddie Murphy plays Marcus, who is a top of his game uh, ad guy. I don't know what they would even say. He ad is. man, I guess. Yeah, he creates ad uh, like TV ads. Um, so he's at the top of his game. The company gets bought out, and he is now put underneath Robin Givens, who is the head of marketing for the new company. So her, him and her have to work together to create a new ad for a big music star and create this new line of perfumes i guess yeah for her. it was perfumes and he, they wind up falling in love or he falls in love with her but it's just a sexual conquest for her and then she, he falls in love with halle berry and then it ruins david allen greer's life and it's just a whole bunch of mess yeah so he's also like the point of the whole the thing really is that eddie murphy's like a player and sleeps with every girl he encounters and then some girl comes along who's played by um robin givens yeah, Robin Givens, uh, who is like a bigger player than him. And the only but po- he doesn't know it. Yeah, well, he learns when he, you know, he he's like he's distraught over the fact that like she's she won't call him back, and she's like she disappears for three weeks, and then comes back, and all she wants to do is have sex with him, and she's telling her friends at the office like you know like that he's good in bed, and like treating him like this is the only aspect of the movie that I like. Like they did a very good job displaying eddie murphy as the woman as women gen i guess sometimes get treated when men just want to have sex with them and keep stringing them along right he was forced to taste his own medicine he's he was a misogynistic womanizer and yes. now he's getting manonized <laughs> okay yeah so that's basically the only thing that i liked about this movie in analyzing why i didn't like it because eddie murphy's charisma is undeniable like him just being there physically is enough to make you want to watch a movie. But I think the the pacing, like they lingered on stuff for too long. There was too much pause in between dialogue and conversations. And there are completely unnecessary side plots. Yeah. Like I think the pacing of this movie is the pacing and the writing because Eddie Murphy, uh, you know, in my opinion, because, you know, comedy is subjective. 
I find him to be one of the funniest comedians I've ever seen. And there was one or two ha-has in this entire movie. And I think most of the ahas came from John Witherspoon, not even Eddie Murphy. Or like, Chris Rock. Chris Rock was funny. I mean, but he was quick. He was like two seconds. Yeah, he, he was, was there and then he, he was out. He was on screen for maybe a minute in total. Total. And he Chris was on Rock. screen like six different times. Yeah. Um, but John Witherspoon, interestingly enough, wasn't in the movie in the, in the first cut. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't there. Eddie Murphy said, we need something else in this movie. I want John Witherspoon in it. We're not putting this movie out unless he's in it. Yeah. So they brought everyone back and they refilmed all the scenes with... Uh, John Witherspoon, who plays David Alan Greer's character's father. Yeah. And he was funny. He's in a lot of good movies, and he's very funny. And, uh, yeah, so he'll be missed. Um, the director, Reginald Hudlin, I think this guy was also the problem in this movie because he's only really directed House Party. Um, I mean, he has a, he has... 51 directing credits, but it's like a lot of nonsense. One or two episodes of TV. He doesn't really have any movies. Uh, He did The Great White Hype and Boomerang and House Party. And that's really like the only movies he's ever done that that I even know about. So I think he was also a problem. Yeah, I mean, it seems that way. It's it's almost like he didn't know what to do because he has a lot of talent here in this movie. A ton of talent. And I just feel like you're not getting much out of them yeah, they lingered on the sex scenes for too long like the- oh my god i actually had to fast forward through every sex scene i hit the jump 10 seconds button like five times in one sex scene hold on i had it written down oh my god there was there was one that i was like is this really still going i can't it was like it was over a minute long the sex scene yeah unnecessary no you need maybe eight seconds of a sex scene right and it didn't even show boobs so what was the point <laughs> <laughs> the 12 year old me was disappointed <laughs> and it lingered on like you were disappointed for a full minute and a half so uh, i also really enjoyed seeing all these young actors you know that these actors when they were young because there's a lot of them that i like like eddie murphy i like i am a holly berry fan i mm-hmm. know like she doesn't really have a ton of things that are like blow you out of the water of note but she was good this i like her first real role too she played a a she played a, a crackhead in um, once before in New Jack City. Did she? And that was it. I don't even remember her being there. She Martin Lawrence. I enjoy Chris Rock. I love Robin Givens. I don't believe she was ever in anything really of note. Um, but did, Mike Tyson wasn't her. <laughs> okay, I think everybody knows that. <laughs> Tisha Campbell, I really like, and I found her, you know, jumping ahead to be the worst role in this entire movie. She was only there to be annoying, and she was. I don't know who Tisha Campbell is. She was in the girl from Martin. That was her next door, his next door neighbor. I kept, never watched that show. Not one episode. Okay. Well, Martin was a good show, but I'm sure it's very dated now, but she was the next door neighbor that kept on yelling things at him from the fence, which I just told you, I've never watched one episode. So how would that jog my memory? That's from this movie, not from Martin. Oh. <laughs> actually i have that written down yeah i actually really liked her and the crazier she got the better she was no and then why so there he's like on like the 40th 40th floor he's in a penthouse yeah he's and but he has a next door neighbor and, and a yard and there's a fence a wooden fence that divides them as if they're like in some <laughs> suburb somewhere he's like midtown manhattan it makes zero sense <laughs> all right oh, you man. have anything else to discuss about this movie no, I mean, the one thing I'll say is I love Martin Lawrence. Okay. Love Martin Lawrence. Obviously, I've never seen his show, but I love his movies. I love everything. I love Bad Boys. I love, I love, uh, what's the movie with the diamond and 
Blue Streak. Blue Streak. I love Blue Streak. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so over the top, just grotesque with everything he said. Like, I get what they were trying to do with him. He was supposed to be like the wannabe. And like he wasn't quite want to be player. Yeah, but he was, but he wasn't quite there. And, and he's just, he is over the top, but they went so hard with the tranny jokes and the, and the, the gay jokes and the, just the sex jokes and, and, and just everything. And he's so vulgar with everything he said. And I'm like, you could do this funnier with less vulgarity. I don't, I, I've always been, a pro- I've, I've never liked that type of comedy. So. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I, things are funnier when they're more clever, when you're just throwing out, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, my, my best scene, I'm not going to use the word because it's said like a thousand times and I just, I'm not going to do it on the podcast, but the P word referencing a vagina mm-hmm. when they're in the restaurant, the restaurant, Eddie Murphy's in the restaurant with what's her name? Risque. No, strange. 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 Yeah. Strange. And she's, <laughs> she's in the restaurant loudly saying the P word over and over and over again, talking about herself. And Eddie Murphy's like trying to cover it up. And he's like, we lost our cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. I like, all right. I like when he hooks up with, uh, not Robin. What's her name in the movie? I don't even care. Jacqueline. And he, he's got her feeling old. She's got him feeling old dirty or whatever. And then not only that, then as she's leaving, she leaves $200 on the night table. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So I like that. That's about it. <laughs> All right. Worst scene? Every sex scene, but I have other things. Yeah, let's do something else because we do that every time. It's it's not. It's just a cop out. Um. So this is just a co- continuity error that like really bothered me. It's not that big of a deal. But so when the French lady was, you know, strange was screaming the P word and runs out. And then Jacqueline goes to chase after her and she's like so like desperately trying to convince her to stay with them and then sean jay's like well yeah you know i was never really going anywhere and then all of a sudden she just flips to well it gives her an attitude now and i'm like you're just trying to convince her to stay now you're giving her an attitude like you clearly need her why would you suddenly start yelling at her to get on a plane and make sure your butt's there like yeah no you're gonna be nicer because you're trying to convince her to stay i don't know i don't remember that scene so i can't well i had an issue i can't agree with you because i don't don't remember it okay I, but uh, I don't know. My, I don't remember my worst scene because I just my worst scene is that this uh, it's not a scene. My worst p- part about this movie is what I said before is that somehow this director managed to take all of this talent and make a dog shit yeah. movie. Well, how about this? How about like when he finally does hook up with Halle Berry and it's weird and doesn't yeah. fit. Yeah. And then only like the next scene, him and Halle Berry are sitting there in front of Jacqueline like. But like not trying to piss her off, but like they're so googly eyes at each other, holding each other's hands, rubbing each other's hands. Yeah. It just didn't fit with what was going on in the movie at all. Yeah, yeah. So much of this movie is just all over the place, and I, I didn't care. Best role? Best role is the next door neighbor because she played the right level of crazy. Well, she was my worst role because I've seen her do much better in many <laughs> other things. Worst role is a, a strange. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's probably... The right answer, if there was one. My my best role is Eddie Murphy. Yeah, but he didn't do anything. Like, sure, he holds his character. Like, but, but he's still the best thing there. I guess. I mean, I, I'll give you uh, John Witherspoon. Maybe, maybe the best, but not enough on screen time. And Chris Rock, but again, not enough on screen time. So. Well, the thing with Witherspoon though is like you know he he went a little too far. Like Martin Lawrence's jokes, like 
a little too much, and that kind of ruined him for me. But I, I thought he was the funniest part of this movie. I also really enjoyed. I thought Robin Givens did a, a solid job. She gave a solid performance. Holly Berry did a and fine Holly job. Berry did a fine. Yeah, but nothing was great. Yeah. And and in a movie that's a comedy, like I said, there was maybe one or two laughs. Yeah, and yeah. it was two hours long. Cut thirty minutes out, and this is a, and get Eddie Murphy to write in some better jokes, and this is a much better movie. All right, we good? Coming in at number two, earning one hundred and thirty-two million dollars, a league of their own. I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer. Dear Lord, may our feet be swift, may our bats be mighty, may our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. Got him! Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well, then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. What do you say we slip in the back seat and you make a man out of me? What do you say I smack you around for a while? Can't we do both? The pitcher, Lori Petty. I made it! I'm a Pete! A Rockford Pete! The scout, John Lovitz. Are you coming? See how it works is. The train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there are men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league of their own. All right. God knows we have a game. It's not like any of this helps, believe me. Directed by Penny Marshall. So this was, in my opinion, the best movie of the month. I would say, I'm not saying best. It was definitely, because I, I enjoyed this and the other movie probably okay. equally, I'd okay. say. Okay. Well. And more for the fact that this watching of League of Their Own, I couldn't get past two characters. We'll get more into it in a minute. But um, Well, when you say yeah. two, anybody who knows this movie yeah. knows what you're talking about. I couldn't about. get past Rosie O'Donnell and, and, and Madonna. I just found them both annoying and their characters to be one-dimensional and awful. Okay, I mean, I'm not going to argue that. All right, so this stars Tom Hanks, Lori Petty, Gina Davis, Rosie O'Donnell, John Lovett, and Madonna. The plot is, this is also a very poorly written description, but two sisters join the first female professional baseball league and struggle to help it succeed amid their own growing rivalry. Like, that's a very condensed synopsis. That's a perfect synopsis. Yeah, but it's very condensed though, because like a lot more goes on. So I, I want, I did a little bit of research. I didn't go crazy. This, the storyline was inspired by the career of uh, baseball legend Dottie Collins. Her name is actually Dottie. Uh, during World War II, Collins played for the All American Girls Professional Baseball League, and she pitched 17 shutouts during her six-year career. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, so I like the story. The best part of this movie is the sisters. I guess that is the whole movie. The sisters and the baseball. And anytime they're playing baseball, I love it. Anytime we got um, Gina Davis and Laura Petty on screen together. Yeah. Awesome. I really appreciate the way this was shot. So this was in, I guess, the 40s. 
and maybe 50s. I don't know. I guess they're off to war still, so it's the 40s, right? I think it's 1944 is when this starts. And uh, the 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 costumes, the scenery, the times, it was all done perfectly. Yeah, I thought that everyone in this movie gave you the vibe that it's the 40s. They, yeah. they held character well. They, they really set the period piece. Everyone except for Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna. Okay. <laughs> no. You can exclude. We'll just put in a disclaimer that you're going to exclude their performance from anything positive from here on in. God, if you just cut them out of this movie, it's a five star movie. I liked Madonna. Rosie O'Donnell was over the top. But maybe it's because she, Rosie O'Donnell's always next to Madonna. She was, but Rosie O'Donnell's always over the top. So, like, that's why that's what you get. You know what my, I wanted to mention, you know what my favorite Rosie O'Donnell role is? The young chimp in Tarzan. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that was, that's it. That's as good as she gets. <laughs> All right, this is also directed by Penny Marshall, uh, who, in case you don't know, she was Laverne in Laverne and Shirley. Ooh, lovely. And uh, she also directed the movie Big with Tom Hanks and Awakenings, which we covered here with um, uh, Robin Williams and um, De Niro. Oh, I was thinking of the other movie with uh, Kiefer Sutherland where they kill themselves. Any notes that you have that you want to discuss before we... I have so much. First of all, what... I love John Lovitz. He's in the movie for five minutes, and I couldn't get enough of his character. I can never get enough of Lovitz. <laughs> I don't understand he, it. Everything that came out of his mouth was gold. Like, name a movie where he's not, like, the weird third wheel. Like, you can't, but he's always awesome. <laughs> I love him in City Slickers, too. I love him in uh, Wedding Singer. <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing in everything he's ever been in. So I just have some John Lovitz quotes here. Just to Do you want to leave them for the quotes? I will save them. Okay. Thanks. I just I love John Lovinson's and he's like again, he's in it for five minutes and that's you, it. You know, I watched this I, I love Tom Hanks, right? And I'm watching this knowing that he has the best, most quotable line in the entire movie, but and I'm looking at his performance and I'm like, it's good, but it's it's also like much less impressive than I remember it being. Because Tom Hanks was still a comedian at this point. Like, it's still only a comedian. Like, he thought he was a comic actor. Okay. That's that's it's 100% what, what it is. Okay. Well, I, I mean, he had a lot of funny moments. <laughs> I couldn't get over him sleeping in the dugout and scratching his nuts. And then the manager yes. comes up. He's like, you did a great job. I, I especially love the fifth inning where you scratched your nuts for an entire hour. First of the chemistry between the whole team. The whole team is fantastic, but especially I, I already said it. The sisters, uh, Gina Davis and Laura Petty, were outstanding together. I think you could have told me they were actual sisters in real life, and I would have believed you. Okay. The back I, and forth, the, the 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 always trying to outdo one another. The the older sister, she's gonna outdo her, but she's not gonna make a big deal about it. The younger sister is over the top, trying to outdo her, and never quite getting there. And like I just thought the way they. They fed off of each other. The way they responded to each other, it felt very organic, and I loved their dynamic. Well, you would understand that dynamic much better than I would, um, having no siblings, and you have two. You have two siblings. Um, I thought that Lori Petty's portrayal of the role was slightly over the top, like just a little bit annoying. 
but that's just my opinion. I understand what you're saying, but I think it's done on purpose, and it's because she's the little sister. The little sister's supposed to be annoying. And a little I think, whiny. Yeah, and that's maybe she was a little over the top of it. But then again, I thought everyone was a little bit over the top, except for Gina Davis throughout this whole movie. I even thought Tom Hanks was over the top. Yeah, a and little bit. Every, every character was just... John Lovett was spot on. <laughs> but he was over the top. But it was spot just, on. It's just because it's John Lovett's you, so you accept it. But... Every single character, except for Gina Davis, was over the top. And the manager, too. I, I don't have his name, but whoever he is. The, the he, general manager. Yeah, he was very good. Tom Hanks was the manager. Jim Dugan. Okay, sorry. The 462 career home runs. <laughs> Thank you. Is Jim Dugan a real person? Uh, maybe. Yeah, so I like I like the ugly girl. Like I know, like don't say she's ugly, but like that's a real thing. Some people are ugly. So it should, they did that very well. She was a good she character. She wasn't even that ugly. No, they just, you know, made her out to be like, you know, that she was hideous. Like, don't look at her face sort of thing. But that was good. I like the mother that cries. Stillwell's mother. And she cries and she gets yelled at because there's no crying in Mary baseball. Mary Sue Ellen? And uh, I like all the girls. Like, everybody. I, I like this. I like all the scenes. Like, it, you could pick them out. Like, the, the um, what's it called? The finishing school scene. That was cool. <laughs> Two, not one. You know how... <laughs> In high school, people used to say that to me all the time. They used to quote this movie. What? Two, not one. What does that mean? Referring to my eyebrows. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I guess so. Let's do topics then, because I sit here and meander and and you know f- drool over this movie. I guess my best scene is is more than one scene. It's from when Lovitz picks them up. You know, comes to their house, meets them, and and then picks them up, and then they travel, pick up the one girl. The the ugly Marla girl Hooch. and um and Boy, then can she hit and then <laughs> they get to the camp or whatever and they're they're leaving like I guess it's because it's the most amount of love it that you get in the movie and I can't get enough of him but also like I like a little bit it was a little bit montagey where they sped things up a little bit and hold on when they first get there with with freaking John Lovitz and he's like get out there show him what you got and don't embarrass me. And Donnie's like, wait, you're going? Dry your eyes. Yeah, I'm just going home. Grab a shower and a shave. Give the wife a little pickle tickle and I'm on my way. You stole one of my quotable lines. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, I hate when they're attached to me like that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was great. Now, what was your best scene? My best scene was the montages. I, I, I don't like montages. See, you say this from time to time. But I'm always picking montages. Yeah, like so maybe you like montages. I might like montages, but the baseball montages were my favorite. I love montages. What about I I there was there were better scenes. I, I got to look through my list cuz I couldn't pick just one. I really did enjoy this movie. So in the be, in the beginning, the there's a like a radio show that's like um and then the old woman's Exposition talking. through yeah. news. I yeah. love it. Yeah, no, there wasn't that though. It was an older woman talking about the decay of I guess the the decay of feminine women because they were playing baseball and she keeps going on about our men are going to come home from war and these women are playing a sport where we're seeing who could be more masculine than who. And like she's talking about like the moral decay of the country because these women are playing baseball. <laughs> and you see that it's, you know, it's it's so outdated is the point of that. But they put it in there for context. I thought right. that was really funny. That's good. Yeah. I, I kind of like missed that, I guess. It's, I, I know it's not an about. important part. Yeah. Okay. I, I, so my, since you won't no, I pick have, a best I, scene. I, didn't, I, I have a best scene. My best scene is when Kit gets traded and she flips out and her and Dottie are arguing. And Dottie comes out and the woman is like, 
has anyone seen my red hat? And she goes, oh, piss on your hat. <laughs> but that's not the part that's my favorite. It's just, it's the, again, the back and forth between the sisters, the arguing, the calling each other names. Um, you felt the, 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 Dottie had nothing to do with her being traded, at least not on purpose, but Kit would not believe her for a second. It's like, no, you did this to me. I don't care that you brought me here. I really felt that emotion there. And I felt for uh, Kit because, you know, being the younger sibling, fuck the older siblings. <laughs> well, you're not, you're also the middle child. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, the youngest is never included in anything. Okay. So my worst scene is the the fast forward, like the current times, the before and the after. Oh, like yeah. The ending one was okay because it was like giving credit to all the women that actually did this stuff, which I thought was nice. But the beginning was, it was, I don't know. Maybe it was the only way you could do that at the end was to have the flash forward in the beginning. I, maybe. I, it, did, it felt unnecessary. Like, why couldn't I was the story, bored with it. Why couldn't the story just be them i live because in in the the 1940s and then show like a real life clip at the end and like the, the credits end, or something and then give me the the whole where they tell you the story where they are now yeah but then again these weren't based on true characters i true just players. told you that it was dotty is dotty no no i meant like the player she's dotty but she's not the same dotty it's a different name dotty was a catcher in the movie not a pitcher oh okay so like it's it's like based on that but and dotty in the movie only plays one season in the league Oh, so so like it's, it's uh, yeah yeah. So they took they took Hollywood liberties. It's a real life story that's fictionalized, right? So yeah. maybe just give me a couple of pictures of the women getting into the Hall of Fame because that actually did happen. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but when I first saw it, it, it seemed like they had ADR'd um, Gina, Gina Davis's Davis, voice. They did. I read that. So stupid. Why? They had an actress, an older actress, but they ADR'd Gina Davis's voice over her. Oh, my God. I'm with you. Those are the worst scenes because there's no reason to ADR her voice, but not anybody else's either. I I literally fast-forwarded through the the beginning of it. Or put Dottie Stinson in makeup. Make her old. Yeah. You You didn't have that technology then? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a bit nitpicking because it's an otherwise great movie, so whatever. But like you said, though, it, it does take away from it because it's a great story that's ruined by story that doesn't need to be told. Uh, best role? Best role, hands down, is Gina Davis. Oh, I disagree. You're going to say Tom Hanks, but... And I said Tom Hanks, and then I said also love it. <laughs> I can't get enough of him. I can't, he He's a great side character, yes, but obviously he can't be best. Yes, that's what I said also. I... I thought Gina Davis had a steadfast, spot-on performance the entire movie, and Tom Hanks adds the lovability to to the movie, I guess. But like, also, I found him to be over the top a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But also, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't call it over the top. It was fine. I didn't. There was no point where I didn't like his choices that he made as the character. So, worst role. Worst role uh, is going to be Rosie O'Donnell. And Madonna for you? And Well, I think you convinced me that it was just because Madonna was always with Rosie O'Donnell. She was so a bit over the top, too, like the overtly sexual person. But that makes sense, though, because wouldn't that person, advis- wouldn't that person exist in the 40s? I mean, of course they Th- would. Right, that's my point. So I, I think that makes me a little more... 
accepting. accepting of the role. Like Rosie O'Donnell's character was just nothing but annoying. Yeah, she was from Brooklyn and she was like the... The annoying Brooklyn. Yeah. Yes. The worst Brooklyn. And she was like, you know, the overly macho woman. It's just a bad character. But maybe that's Rosie O'Donnell, right? So whatever. I, I guess I agree. I don't... I don't really... I didn't dislike her as much as you did. All right, anyway. Yeah, so I don't know. My worst role, I don't really dislike anybody in the movie, but I guess Rosie O'Donnell was the most annoying. I'm almost tempted to give it to Lori Petty because I really, like... She was, like, too much at points. But I don't think she was... When she was too much, I don't think it was enough to ruin the movie. Nothing could... Nothing ruined this movie, I'm just saying. But uh, I'll give it to Rosie O'Donnell. Right, most you can cool. give it to you give it to Lori Petty if you want. No, I just think she did such a good job of playing the little sister. That's all she did. She did a good job of like, you you know, she's challenging. She's trying to catch up to her older sister her entire life. She's not as fast. She's not as athletic. She's not as talented. She's not as pretty. And this girl's always in your face, and like she loses her mind at one point over it. So I guess I understand. Yeah. So anyway, uh, one other scene that we. It's not really a quote, so I have to talk about it. And okay. It's a good scene. Okay. So he's, he's trying to get all the girls out of the house and onto the bus, I guess, for the World Series or whatever. And some kid comes up. And he's like, Jimmy Dugan, can you sign my baseball? And he signs the baseball. And he walks away, and the kid reads the baseball. He goes, avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. And he just turns back around. He's like, that's good advice. <laughs> as, as if anybody would tell you to not avoid it. <laughs> I, I I did I read that I well, I've seen that and then I was reading through the quotable lines just to see if there's anything that I forgot about and I read that so yeah. all right so the most quotable lines obviously in my opinion the best most quotable line from That's this actually movie, the best scene of the movie yeah it, it's it is arguably is the are you crying scene and I'm just gonna put it in because n- neither one of us can do it any justice so. especially when he calls the ump they <laughs> whenever tell you look like a penis with a little hat on yeah say <laughs> Evelyn. Can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I, I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's not love that's three feet above your ass. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No, no. And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. No crying! What's the matter, Jimmy? What? She's crying, sir. I didn't mean to do that. Perhaps you chastise her too vehemently. Good rule of thumb. Treat each of these girls as you would treat your mother. You want to ever tell you you look like a penis with a little hat on? Oh, my goodness. You're out of here! Oh, no, right no, no, now, no, Jimmy, you, I heard you that! Misunderstood you misunderstood me! You misunderstood me! No, you can't throw me out for that! No, you've got to straight down! All right, uh, more more John Lovett lines when he's on the train to the salesman. He goes, you know, if I had your job, I'd kill myself. Wait here. I'll see if I could dig up a pistol. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. 
Jimmy's prayer before the World Series. Did you like that? I loved it. Uh, I don't remember it he, verbatim. He they all laid out, they all kneel down and he's just like, "Oh, Lord, hallowed be thy name. May our feet be swift, may our bats be mighty, and may our balls be plentiful." <laughs> <laughs> and Lord, I'd just like to say thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. And God, these are good girls. They work hard. Just just help them see it through. Okay, that's it. Let's go. I just thought that whole <laughs> that whole prayer was just Full of non So ridiculous. <laughs> I also wanted to add in the characters at the Baseball Hall of Fame and scene playing as the credits rolled. They're the real original players from the league. So oh. they did do that. Yeah. I loved how they did the credits too. Like they had them at the positions they played. They did like the, uh, yeah. oh, what do they call that? Lineup. The, the line card. Yeah. Um, um, also, did you catch a young Tay Leone playing first base for the Peaches? No. Not for the Peaches, for the other team? No. Yeah. I'm watching and they throw over to first and I'm like, that's Tay Leone. <laughs> and I looked it up and it was. I, that's I was a good so catch. excited. It's always fun when you make a catch like that. Yeah. Also, all the actresses who auditioned for the film had to prove that they could play baseball. So this is going to annoy you. All the actresses cast in the film apart from Gina Davis, did their own baseball stunts. None of them wanted performers or stunt doubles. I think that's awesome. Yeah, well, Gina Davis didn't. Well, because, all right, it makes sense, though, because she's probably the one who wouldn't have been good at baseball, right? Because she's just the actress, the lead actress in the movie. So I can live with that just because she's probably not a good baseball player. Oh, whatever. Anyway. But I, I like that all the I, girls were I, doing I, baseball I, scenes. Yeah, well, I like awesome. that. And I also, yeah, I love that part. Uh, but I, I was annoyed at Gina Davis because how it read to me was that she was too uptight to play baseball. And that's not how it reads to me. It reads to me like she probably was unathletic and she's an actress, not an athlete. And well, she was able to do a split. That was actually her. She couldn't slide into the split. So that was a stunt double. But when they filmed her afterwards in the split, that was her. All right. so flex, flexible doesn't equate to athletic. And though. maybe she just can't catch. <laughs> okay coming in at number one chris coming in at number one death becomes her earning 149 million dollars don't you know that it's worth every treasure on earth to be young at heart some people will go to any length to stay young forever is that someone it's madeline ashton she was a big star in the 60s. I thought she was dead. Oh, madam, you look younger every day. Thank you, Rose. But Madeline Ashton and her old friend, Helen Sharp. I've lost men to her before. Mad Hill. Are about to go <laughs> too far. A touch of magic. Drink that potion and you'll never grow even one day older. Bottoms up. A warning. Now a warning. Siempre viva. Live forever. Ernest, I'm in the morgue. They think I'm dead. You are. But you're not. Are you telling me it doesn't hurt when I do this? It doesn't hurt. She's dead. She's dead, Ernest. Now he's dead. He's dead. Ernest is dead. Everybody's dead. <laughs> Pushed me down the stairs. I'm so sweaty. I don't think it's sweat, honey. I think you're defrosting. It's a lie. Universal Pictures 
presents Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, it's a miracle, and Gordy Hawn. Look at me, I'm soaking wet. Death becomes her. I just have to make a telephone call. Okay. I was dreading watching this going into it. And you convinced me that I wasn't going to like it. And then, and, I, and I remembered liking it as a kid. I watched it and I was this was the funniest movie of the month. Oh, it was great. I had such a good time. This is one of the best satires I've ever watched. Yes. This is very good. Uh, let's do the plot first. A fading actress learns of an immortality treatment and she sees it as a way to outdo her longtime rival. So Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn have known each other since high school and Meryl Streep is always outdoing Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn loses Bruce Willis. So uh, Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis, the three main roles in the movie. They're really the only roles that matter. And Goldie Hawn loses Bruce Willis to Meryl Streep. At an early part in the movie. It's actually great how they do it, though, too. They, she's like, I'm so worried that she's going to steal you from me. And he's like, you don't have to worry about anything. Cut. <laughs> he's marrying Meryl <laughs> Streep. And, uh, yeah, Goldie Hawn goes on like a seven-year eating binge. Yeah, the, the seven-year shifts were... Yeah. I was dying with her. Like, it wasn't even that she was fat. It was just how she just let herself go. Yeah. The cops are trying to get in to kick her out of her apartment. Yeah, to evict her. And she's got the TV playing uh, uh, Meryl Streep in a role where she dies, and she's just rewinding it and replaying. Yeah, she's she's watching Meryl Streep get strangled repeatedly. <laughs> That's it. They're eating ice cream. Yes. And laughing the whole time, and they're busting down her door. And and how good was the Elena pointed out? How good was the makeup on uh on Goldie Horn, the fat suit that they gave her? The makeup through this whole movie was amazing. Yeah, and they actually did win the Academy Award for best effects. Nice. So. All right, so this is I did something different with the actors and other roles because who doesn't know Meryl Streep, Goldie Horn, and Bruce Willis, right? So, yeah. Meryl Streep, Oscars, Best Supporting Actress for Kramer and Kramer. Best Actress for Sophie's Choice, and again, Best Actress for The Iron Lady. Okay? So, uh, two su- one supporting, two Best Actress she won. Goldie Horn, Best Supporting Actress for Cactus Flower in 1969. I'd never heard of it, but one supporting actress. Bruce Willis, zero Oscars. Check this out. He's in seven movies in 2022. He's in eight movies in 21. He's in four movies in 2020 and seven movies in 2019. The man is just shitting out any role offered to him at this point. I don't understand why these people who are iconic, classic actors, like why they do this at the end of their career. Like you have enough money. Like I, I I understand taking a couple cash grab at this point. I understand taking a couple paydays. You're entitled to that. That's fine. Take a handful of paydays. That's also cool. Don't put out seven, 14, 21, 22, 26 movies in four years. Don't do that. Yeah. But you think it has something to do with his deteriorating mind? No, I don't don't? think that. I mean, I know he's sick and he has the disease. His brain is so bad. Like he doesn't even know who he is. Okay. But that doesn't, no, I don't think that that equates. I don't know, but I'm just saying it doesn't make sense that that equates. Yeah. So. He's the anti-Nicholson. Or Leo. <laughs> Leo has very 
very limited amount of credits. Yeah, Leo also gets $28 million a movie. I, I'm sure Bruce Probably Willis... That now. I'm certain at one point around the Die Hard era bruce willis was the highest paid actor in hollywood yeah there's probably a moment yeah so all right director get this guy robert zemeckis the guy this guy's got a great resume aside from back to future one two and three forrest gump romancing the stone polar express who framed roger rabbit castaway contact tales from the crypt and coming up in september of 2022 is a new release of Disney's Pinocchio that he directed. Starring I Tom Hanks. Oh, oh, that's right. It is starring Tom Hanks. So he, but it's not really starring because he plays Geppetto, but because I guess Pinocchio will probably be the main character of that okay. movie. Yeah. But, um, well, I'm sure they're going to find more. So this will be his one, two, three, fourth movie with Tom Hanks. That's good, though. Yeah. I'm a Tom, huge Tom Hanks fan. Yeah. And like I was saying, like the point I was trying to make before was Tom Hanks as the serious actor, is better than Tom Hanks, the comedian. I don't know about that. He's always a bit lighthearted. Right, he's lighthearted, but he gets more about the You're drama t- side of things. That's all I'm saying. He, he, and he adds that other element of comedy the, because he can do that too. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just going to use different words. I'm saying the more mature Tom Hanks is the better Tom Hanks. Okay, yes, fine. Fair. Okay. I'm going to do my best scene because it was what had me dying laughing. So Meryl Street gets pushed down the stairs. Oh yes, by, by far by Bruce Willis. By far the best scene in the whole movie. And she breaks her neck and her arm in this, and she's dead. And uh, they try and push her over a cliff because Goldie Hawn was trying to get Bruce Willis to to kill her together because Goldie Hawn wanted Street out, whatever. But my favorite scene is when they get her to the doctor's office, and the doctor's like checking her out. And he's <laughs> the doctor's responses to things are amazing. He's like feeling her wrist because she's complaining about her wrist. She's like, it doesn't really hurt. It just feels different. He's he's like, does it hurt when I do this? Does it hurt when I do this? Does it hurt when I do this? And bends like her hand all the way back to her her forearm. And she's like, no. He's like, well, that's weird because it's, it's broken in multiple places. <laughs> and well, it, then, then she, he goes, let's see this thing you're talking about with your neck. And she reveals it. And he's like, he, goes, he gives like a, whoa. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she has like vertebrae protruding from her collarbone or whatever. And, and then Bruce Willis is like, what about shock? It could be shock. Could it be shock? He's like, it could be shock. Check her for shock, doc. <laughs> and then he's looking, he puts the stethoscope on her chest and there's no heart beat and he can't he doesn't know what to make of it and he's like i'm gonna i'm just i'm gonna go get somebody else so he goes out of the room and then bruce willis and street are having dialogue and then bruce willis is like where's the doctor he goes out to look for the doctor there's no doctor there's no had. doctors because they're all in the emergency room performing like life-saving whatever cpr and stuff and shocking the doctor back to life because he had a heart attack <laughs> Then leads into one of the better lines. He goes he goes back to the room and Streep is gone. And they're like, I guess she passed out. And then he's like, where's my wife? And the guy's like, well, sorry to tell you this, but she's dead. They took her down to the morgue. He goes, the morgue? She's, she's going to be, be so pissed off. She'll be furious. Yeah. <laughs> I put that together as one scene, though. From the moment yeah. she falls down the stairs. Because... Br- well, no, I, not, I hate, not... No, I do. Okay. Because... His panic that starts from the second when he, because he's got like this jubilant panic though. He's like excited that she's dead, yeah. And then he's making the phone. Bruce Willis, that might be the best 
acting I've ever seen from Bruce Willis from there to the end of the whole hospital scene. I Well, I love his character. Ev- his character is amazing because you've always seen Bruce Willis as the tough alpha. Yeah. And now he's not. He's just this like this this downtrodden beat letting the women control him like well yeah he's like he's been like verbally told. abused by Meryl Streep for how many years and they even Goldie Hawn says at one point that she ruined you she took like a brilliant surgeon and made him a uh a mortician yeah and i just don't think you get Bruce Willis ever portraying that version of a character ever except for in this movie no there was um he does a very similar character in um I watched it not I watched it because of this podcast not for this podcast it was with him and Tom Hanks it was the bonfire of the vanities and he has like a very similar role where like he's a bit wishy-washy and I love his character like he, he's passed out on his floor upstairs in his office and his his uh the I guess they're wealthy, so he has a maid or whatever. She comes in, she wakes him up with a Bloody Mary. And he and, drinks it and he makes a face. Yeah. And he's like, more vodka. It's <laughs> <Yeah>, perfect. <Yeah. laughs> his face, like the disgust of like, that's too much vodka, but no, 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 it's not enough. <laughs> yeah, he needs more, more vodka. All right. Did you say your best scene? I don't think no, you did. No, that was my best scene. You oh, stole okay. it. And there's not a there's not a better scene in this whole movie. Because mm-hmm. that's literally 10 minutes of the movie, too. Like, yeah. It's a yeah, good 10, portion of the movie. Yeah. I also really liked... Um, I felt like they put in... So, again, uh, to the CGI, a lot of thought went into, like, the potion that she drinks, the look of it. Like, they put a lot of CGI into it. The, the case that it's in, she pulls the ribbon and it opens yeah. up. You know, I thought that was cool. Did you notice, though? What? Oh, so you didn't see it. I actually went back and looked because I read a little tidbit. Huh? When um, Meryl Streep hands the check over to Isabella Rossellini, as she's handing her the check, it passes by the, perf- the uh, potion. Uh-huh. And there's actually an, a silhouette of a naked woman. Oh, is that in the potion? That's cool. Yeah, I I like the CGI until it got out of control. Because here's the problem: this is the first time CGI was used like this. It's oh, yeah. never been done before. So they they are the pioneers of this type of CGI, which is then actually used improved in, upon and used in, in Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. This movie's Park. very connected to Jurassic Park in a lot of ways. Okay. So the because the screenwriter, well, one of the screenwriters from this movie. Also, was a screenwriter on Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So apparently, this is just a little tidbit. Robert Zemeckis kept during filming this movie, kept saying before he would say action, he'd say, "Hold on to your butts." Nice. So the screenwriter wrote it into Jurassic Park for Samuel L. Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love knowing that. Yeah. So and also Zemeckis and Spielberg are good friends. Yeah, well, I, that I know. All right, worst scene. So I got annoyed when they started killing each other over and over again. Like that, I found okay, that so really stupid. The shovel sword fight, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I could, I could. She blew a hole in her stomach. And I like that part. Well, that that part there was cool because the CGI and everything that was fine. But then directly after that, they're murdering each other with shovels and swords and smashing heads and stuff. And like, it was just stupid. It Throwing was the spear and it misses because it goes through the hole in her yeah. stomach. Yeah, I got you. I hated the opening musical number because I hate musical numbers in movies. Yeah, well, they're they're never good. One pick a good one. I I, I don't have one exactly because I hate them. They're all bad. <laughs> Best role. This is this is tough. No, I I was I, I I chose easily. You chose easily. You're gonna say Bruce Willis. No, good because I think it's Meryl Streep. It's definitely Meryl Streep. Yeah. What is the deal with this woman? I. 
I don't. You don't like her, but every movie no, you watch I, with her, you love. <laughs> I mean, like, I am not a fan of her career. Like, she doesn't do movies that I love. She's a good actress, but she's not a good actress. She's an amazing yeah. actress. I love every time she's on screen. She knows what she's doing. She has a plan. She sticks with it. I guess I don't know. Whatever she's doing, I, keep, I'm keep, I'm a fan. Keep doing it. Yeah, keep at it for the last. You'll make it one day. Years. Lady, just keep at it. <laughs> three Oscars. Yeah, three Oscars later. All right, worst role. This is what I had trouble with. Who's the worst role? Fabio. Okay. The two guys that. Uh, oh, also, Isabella Rosalini is the girl who has the potion in the mansion. She or, was. I loved her too. She, also, the name. You know, Isabella Rosalini. Tell me a movie I she's just, in. I, this is exactly what I saw that that was as Isabella Rosalina. Like, I've known her name forever. I've never known what she looks like. This is her. I finally have a face for the name. Yeah. Also, I swore to God that she was the wife in Oscar, and she's not. So I don't know any movie she's ever been in. I like to live in this limbo where we don't know because we could look it up, but I'm not going to. I looked it up, and you know what? You didn't recognize it. I still don't movies. know any movie she's ever been in. Maybe this is it. No, she has a pretty extensive career, but anyway. No, so yeah, I, I mean, I guess I don't have a. a no, the the two guys that she keeps in her house in the in the spandex. Those are the that's the worst role. Yeah, I, I don't like that. But I, I, I was uncomfortable. I did like all the weird cameos of dead people, dead famous people. Yes, um, <laughs> Jim was, Morrison. Yeah, um, James Dean. James Dean. You had Elvis. Yeah, because they were all like once she gave to have you taken the potion. The potion right. You once you take the potion, you're supposed to get like a good ten years in and then disappear because you're not aging anymore. Did we explain that? I guess people should know that, right? No, about be, this movie. If everyone's seen this movie. Okay. <laughs> they just listen to us talk about it. Okay. The I you know what? I want to go, you know, kind of scene by scene and explain what happens in the movie, but because we cover three movies, we'd be here for forever yeah. if we did that. We're we're getting our point across here. So most quotable lines? I already said some of my favorite. I have some more. My one of my favorites is she's in the uh, Meryl Streep's in the limo with Bruce Willis when they're hating each other before she gets the potion, and he's just sitting there, and she looks over at him and she goes, "Could you not breathe?" breathe? Yeah, <laughs> like that much hate where the man's breathing is annoying you. It made me laugh a little more because my sister-in-law constantly says that to my brother-in-law. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> When when uh, Meryl Streep is going to get when she's getting the potion and she drinks it and she goes bottoms up and she drinks it and then Isabella Rosalini goes now a warning and she goes now a warning. <laughs> so right before she gets pushed down the stairs, so her and Bruce Willis are having the fight. Her uh, her being Meryl Streep, she keeps calling him flaccid. You're just a flaccid doctor. You're just like all the dead people you work on. I might have more fun with one of your clients. At least I'd know I'd be getting something stiff. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> She's like teetering on falling down the stairs for like a whole minute, right? And she like Bruce Willis is considering helping her. And she's like, help me, help me, help me. And then she screams at him, hurry up already. And then like that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And he just one finger pushes her down the stairs. Yeah. And I like that they called back that scene too. Because then at the end, same thing happened to uh, Goldie Hawn. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think we covered it. Did we? I do like the way. This is another cool thing that kind of like gets pushed to the side in this movie. The whole ending where he's getting his eulogy. 
and he's the most successful man of all <laughs> yeah, time. He, yeah, he's like the most interesting man in the world <laughs> because like he got in his good years and he didn't want. He was also offered the potion, and that was another good couple of lines too. He's like, he's like, forever sounds good, but what would I do with all that time? He's like, what would I do if I get bored? <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. Um, I'm so happy you got me thinking I was gonna hate it again. And uh, let's do our thing that we forgot to do. Would you recommend Boomerang? Clearly not. No, definitely not. I'd recommend both A League of Their Own and Death Becomes Her, though. Yeah, I had way more laugh out loud moments with Death Becomes Her than I thought I would. It's because, you know, you know why a movie like this works? It's because they purposefully make it like over the top, right? So like those are my nitpicks for A League of Their Own. Yeah. But in this movie... It's supposed to be over the top. You, it's if not, it's not ridiculous, it's not working. Right. Also, you have Robert Zemeckis directing it. So yeah, you have. How could you go wrong? Plus, Meryl Streep. I mean, you, the cast, the director. I mean, I, I. There's no wonder why this was the number one movie of the month. No. Love, love the. Love, I love the whole thing. Like I said, there's not a bad scene except for like two seconds here and two seconds there. Also. Um, you know, this is the heart of the summer blockbuster season. This yeah. is July. So As, aside from having all of the movies that we had, this was a good month for movies. And especially since we kind of wanted to watch Boomerang anyway. Like we talked about that. Oh, we never seen Boomerang. Yeah, like, I wanted to see it because I had never seen yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Coming up in August of 1992, we have one of the best Westerns of all time, Unforgiven. You've never seen that, right? Nope. You're in for a treat, sir. We also have Single White Female and Honeymoon in Vegas. We also have my favorite childhood movie of all time. Three Ninjas? Yes, I loved Three Ninjas when I was a kid. If I have talked the, about this already. If I have the time, I don't think I've ever seen Three Ninjas. If I have the time, I'll watch it with Chase and we'll squeeze it in. It's definitely a terrible movie. I want to watch There's it. There's no though. doubt it's horrible. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I've never seen it, so I still want to watch it. All right. So it was a good episode. Yeah. See you next time. Thanks for listening.